0: ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.
1: Hi, it's me, another fing guy. And here's my periodic request for you to become a patron of the podcast. There's a link in the show notes. What does this get you? Well, for now, until I can add some sweet patron only nuggets on there, you get ad-free listening on every episode. And your monthly patronage helps make the show possible. Also, please rate the show on whatever app you're using to listen. It helps people find the podcast. And now, a content warning. Warning, this podcast contains bad words and sh*t. So be sure to pop in your headphones to avoid disapproving glares from those around you. Or if you're a sociopath, let them hear it anyway. This is episode 20, and I'm another fucking guy with a podcast. And I'm here to abuse your ear holes for the next 45 minutes. The podcast itself varies from episode to episode, but I try to stick to a theme of mis and disinformation. And sometimes I'm in a better mood than others. I guess you'll have to stick around to see what kind of mood I'm in this time. And with that out of the way, let's dive the hell in and see where the fuck this goes. Let's get into it. I'd like to touch on something real quick before jumping in here. And it's the fact that a lot of QAnon Trump supporters think that tomorrow Trump is going to be inaugurated as the 47th president of the United States. And this batshit crazy conspiracy theory is derived from sovereign citizen conspiracy theories. And sovereign citizens believe that they govern themselves and that the federal government and state governments have no power over them, which is purely fantasy. And the sovereign citizen movement goes back many, many decades before QAnon even made the scene. And just like most every other conspiracy theory that QAnon has, it's derived from an old one and is repurposed, in some cases repackaged, for their own means and goals. One specifically saying that in 1933, the United States of America was incorporated and lost its status as a country, and is now a corporation? Yes. Um, no. (laughs) Uh, Tomorrow, lots of... QAnon conspiracy theorists believe that Trump will become the president. This dates back to 1933, when presidents in this country were inaugurated on March 4th, not January 20th, as they are today. QAnon conspiracy theorists believe that before Trump left office, he reinstituted this archaic fucking bullshit, but he didn't. And again, just like on January 20th, they'll have a huge moment of letdown again. Now. This might be funny to some people. (laughs) It can be to me. Uh, It's more concerning to me than anything. Because when this kind of shit happens, they become violent. Because when the powers at be aren't fixing the perceived problems and addressing their perceived grievances, made up or not, they decide to take things into their own hands, as we found out on January 6th. And... The Department of Homeland Security and the FBI sent a joint intelligence bulletin to state and local law enforcement agencies warning that some domestic groups have, quote, discussed plans to take control of the U.S. Capitol and remove Democratic lawmakers on or about March 4th. So if you thought that January 6th was some kind of one off. Um, yeah, I don't think it's going to be, unfortunately. Now, I don't think that it's going to be as fucking crazy as what happened on January 6th, but there will continue to be inciting of violence by not only just, you know, huckstering grifters on the internet and people on the ground and actual, you know, devoted actors who are actually doing the violence, but our fucking lawmakers who are inciting the goddamn violence. The top-tier Trumpist influencers and leaders in Washington know that Trump is not currently the president and won't be tomorrow. They're not stupid. What they're doing is they're stoking the fire. It's called sedition. They want more violence, more insurrection, more acceleration. They want the devoted actors to break society for them. And no, this isn't a theory. This is exactly what they want. The most ardent, most popular far right influencers on the internet admit as much. That's what they want. It's called accelerationism. It's a myth that society is breaking down and that they want to accelerate it, to break it as soon as fucking possible so that they can swoop in and take it over. Yeah, it's real fun stuff, real cool stuff. <laughs> fucking crazy. But yeah, that's I mean, that's what it is. I find it fucking fascinating that you have these like far right terrorists like trying to break society and then you have normal conservatives just like sitting there freaking out about Mr. Potato Head and Dr. Seuss. (laughs) It's just like the dynamic between the two like like the party of the Republican Party is fucking broken right now. It's it's, you know, and it really always has been, but it just couldn't get any more clear as it is right now. It's amazing. The fucking the normie Republicans are like real upset about who's using which bathroom and whether or not Mr. Potato Head is is a mister or or if if a Dr. Seuss book is fucking endorsed by the federal government, which I mean, who gives a fuck? The craziest thing about that to me, and this is the least important thing on the fucking menu here, but I feel like I have to talk about it because I keep seeing it everywhere. Mr. Fucking Potato Head is still Mr. Potato Head. Mrs. Potato Head is still Mrs. Potato Head. And Dr. Seuss books are still in public libraries. So what the fuck is... what, What they're concerned with isn't even happening. It's not even a thing that's happening. And the rest of their fucked up party is talking about taking over the government with terrorist attacks. (laughs) It's fucking crazy. But anyway, let's go to the core of the show. I am sick and fucking tired of false equivalency. After the Democratic Party decided to get behind Joe Biden... I spent entirely too much time trying to talk friends and acquaintances out of false equivalencies that Democrats are just as bad. (laughs) It's a difficult task, considering all the dumb shit that Democrats have said and done to undermine my position on this, and have provided to my frenemies as political ammunition. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that Democrats or the Democratic Party is somehow a bastion of perfect people with perfect ideas on how to perfect the union. I'm not a particular fan of lying to anybody, nor am I a fan of living in fantasy land. But to suggest that the Democratic Party is just as bad as the Republican Party is like being stranded on Fantasy Island just off the coast of Fantasy Land. The assertion is perhaps the most annoying thing I've ever had the displeasure of encountering in public discourse. And, sure, no one is saying that corruption doesn't exist among Democrats. It does. No one is saying that Democrats don't do grossly inhumane and stupid shit on a regular basis. They do. And, of course, Democrats traffic in the same petty political posturing that Republicans do. Absolutely. Democrats and Republicans are two parts of a single political establishment and system. Yes. But they're hardly... The same. That's a ludicrous and brain dead assertion. And this idea stems from a recent trend to sort of lump in both parties into a single cyclops like rotten establishment that is inherently corrupt and never puts the people first. And this severely reductionist and oftentimes dangerous worldview does actually have some merit. <laughs> But it's led to people like Donald Trump being elected instead of people who would actually work to seriously fix anything. It may sound nice, this demonization of the entire government from both ends, but this worldview is dangerously reductionist and can very easily lead people down a path to far-right extremism. And it does. Many of these third-way so-called unifiers have fallen into the arms of people like Tulsi Gabbard, you know, that one Democrat that voted against Trump's impeachment in 2019. She's a conspiracy theorist who has denied that Syria's dictator used chemical weapons against his own people, despite overwhelming evidence that he definitely did. People like Tulsi... Attract the sort of person that believes that every official story is a lie and that no one at the helm of power or in the media ever tells the truth. It is a grossly dishonest worldview. And she ropes them in further with popular ideas like that we should rein in the U.S. involvement in foreign conflicts and that we should end the forever wars, which is great. On its face. But she's a reductionist that leaves No room for nuance. She's also an obvious sock puppet for the foreign policy goals of violent authoritarians and dictators the world over. Like Vladimir Putin, whom Tulsi has never once seriously criticized, just like, you know, Donald Trump. She's not a fucking Democrat, is my point here. Doesn't really matter what the fuck letter is in front of her name in an article. Tulsi has connections to fascists and literally grew up in a cult. She's also Russian state media's favorite Democrat, or at least was at one point, and her audience is full of raging anti-Semites, Islamophobes, homophobes, and fucking cabal conspiracy theorists. There's a reason why neo-Nazis on telegram channels and neo-Nazi websites refer to her as coconut mommy. But don't worry about any of that, because she's anti-war. No, she's not a fucking Democrat, nor is she even remotely leftist, but she's a great alternative for those who subscribe to dangerously simplistic anti-establishment beliefs. But what this is, is a form of ostensibly leftist politics that is moving closer and closer to the far right. It's the result of decades worth of attempts by anarcho-capitalists to peel off disillusioned Democrats to sort of team up against this perceived establishment enemy that Trumpism and Trump has deemed the deep state. It's an attempt to get Democrats to put aside their supposedly insignificant ideological differences like, you know, whether trans people should be allowed to exist in order to team up against the government. This is unequivocally fucking stupid and dangerous. And let's be honest. There are honest critiques of the quote unquote establishment, as well as its powerful private business interests. But entirely too much of that worldview is couched in overt anti Semitism. We know what you mean by the establishment, and no, any normal and honest definition of the elite. Doesn't have anything to do with the Jews. But that's exactly what much of this so-called centrist critique, if you can even call it that, focuses on once you boil it down. There's always, without fail, an element of fucking Nazi bullshit with all of these fucking people. And all this shit is a result of this new cohort of phony leftists, these dubiously named Centrists that have flooded into spaces like YouTube and podcasting. People like Tim Pool, Jimmy Dore, Dave Rubin, and yes, Joe Rogan. People who claim to be centrist liberals, but are either stupid or actually just reactionaries. Just because you're pro-marijuana doesn't make you a leftist. Sorry, but it takes a lot more than that. It takes, at the very least, Knowing what class analysis even is, first of all. And then, funneling ideas in the world's functionings through that lens. And it certainly takes refusing to give far-right extremists even a single fucking inch. Let alone having them on your goddamn podcast to broadcast their fuckery. Looking at you, Joe Rogan. And I would know. I've listened to hundreds of hours of Rogan's podcast over many years. Rogan has had some of the worst people to ever exist on the internet as guests on his podcast, which reaches millions of people worldwide per episode. This includes overt white supremacists like Stephen Molyneux and former Proud Boys leader Gavin McInnes, among a litany of other assholes. The New York Times has a decent podcast series on this phenomenon of curious centrists becoming radicalized oftentimes by just listening to Rogan's podcast by itself it's called rabbit hole it's worth a listen but yeah i can speak to this for years i could have very easily fell down that rabbit hole i'd like to think i never would have but you know maybe that's just my ego speaking i think uh that i didn't fall down the rabbit hole mainly because i never used youtube to watch Joe Rogan's podcast. I used an audio-only platform. This is important because YouTube's algorithm automatically queues up other videos that you, that it thinks you might like once the one you're watching ends. Because of Rogan's goddamn guest list though, YouTube's algorithm queues up some of those same assholes, some of those white supremacists I was mentioning before, <laughs> and others like them. This is how the rabbit hole begins. I never watched Rogan, only listened to him. On occasion, I remember pulling up like uh, the YouTube version just to see maybe a video that he was playing during an episode that I wanted to see. Uh, but I was never introduced to the right-wing rabbit hole like so many others were during that time. And it's still happening, although I, I imagine to a lesser degree. But YouTube is still total fucking dog shit, I can tell you that. But... I consider myself lucky. I really do. And I attribute that to the way I was listening to the show, as opposed to watching it on YouTube's fucking dog shit algorithmic hellscape. And I sort of outgrew Rogan over time. I got sick of the same old bullshit conversations over and over again. I mean, <laughs> one can only listen to that guy talk about sensory deprivation tanks and DMT so many times before absolutely losing your fucking mind. <laughs> and Rogan never threw himself into actually trying to understand the world's problems and their solutions. There's never any kind of class analysis, no serious critiques of capitalism and corporatism, just bitching about houseless people and talking to dangerous fucking extremists like fucking Alex Jones. Fuck Joe Rogan. But, I know people in real life who were once avid Rogan fans, or still are, who took the exact opposite turn that I did ideologically. I got off the Rogan cult earlier than most of these people, but I kept seeing their posts about certain episodes, and I'd see them post videos of with like products in the background that are heavily advertised and endorsed by Rogan, so I knew that they were still listening. And I watched some of these people move further and further and further and further to the right. One person in particular went so far as to completely denounce Rogan as not being far enough to the right. (laughs) And this was the moment that this person went full in, in a matter of weeks, on QAnon conspiracy theories and other forms of anti-leftism. He found something else. He found far-right figures that for some reason resonated with him, and that was it. He's now, as far as I can tell, a fucking lost cause, and he's far from the only example. There are likely hundreds of thousands of people who have fallen down similar rabbit holes. In fact, I know that there are going from seemingly inane centrist podcasts with a charismatic comedian that likes to smoke weed on air to some of the craziest, most dangerous shit on the internet. And that is the kind of show that Joe Rogan has. Over time, his guests eventually take listeners in a different direction. And Rogan enables it under the guise of having supposedly honest conversations with some random asshole he finds interesting in the moment, or is available that day. And Rogan's somewhat good at playing the both sides card to retain a modicum of reasonability. And yes, Tulsi Gabbard has been one of those people on his podcast two or three times now, if I recall correctly. But this guy who fell off the deep end in far-right bullshit Used to be, at least from the little that I could tell. Didn't know him very well, but he seemed like a decent person. And then the internet grabbed him and took him for a fucking ride. Now this person is completely shrouded in hateful, violent bullshit. It's... It's sad. But these... These huckstering fucking grifters have identified a market of people who hate the Democrats and Republicans equally. Which is... Just fucking fascinating to me. But that's exactly what they are. These people, these fucking podcasters, these YouTube fucking channel owners, they're grifters. They're acting on financially motivated ideological behaviorism, actually. (laughs) They've invested so much into their own bullshit that there's no coming back. They make a living off their grifts. Hard to stop now. Joe Rogan just landed a $100 million contract with fucking Spotify. Guess it's paying off. But the danger of this kind of shit is that disillusioned Democrats and centrists who find themselves listening to Tim Pool or Joe Rogan. And yeah, Tim Pool's been on Joe Rogan's fucking goddamn podcast more than once. But people who find people like that interesting find themselves often being pulled further the right, into shit like the Boogaloo movement. Which is a domestic fucking terrorist group responsible for multiple deaths and acts of violence. But it's also a group that couches its ideology in this sort of centrism. One that doesn't give a shit if gay people get married, or if someone smokes weed. uh, One that doesn't want police to harass anyone, no matter their skin color. Uh, But let me be clear. These are positions taken by Boogaloo members only to attract and radicalize more people into their far-right ideology. Just because they're wearing Hawaiian t-shirts and smoking weed doesn't mean that they're nice people. They're not. They're strapped with fucking long guns and would fucking eat you if given the opportunity. And they have. They've actually done that to people. They've taken people in and have fucking turned on them. It's documented there are prominent Boogaloo members who are at least tangentially connected to the foiled plot to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer in October of 2020 and kill her as members of the fucking assassination plot were regulars at Boogaloo
0: events and anti-lockdown protests. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?
1: These people are not ones to associate any positive elements to. And just because someone tells you that they're pro Black Lives Matter or pro gay or pro weed, that doesn't mean that they're telling you the fucking truth. And these people are not. It's a tactic, it's a very specific tactic to peel off disillusioned Democrats and liberals and leftists and progressives to come over to their side to fight for the same cause supposedly, which, in essence, is the breakdown of society so that they can take it over. Literally. They're trying to convince people and convert people, pill people, into thinking that revolution and civil war are good things, and that we need one right now. When we don't, Media organizations, mainstream ones, have done a fucking horrendous job at accurately portraying what the Boogaloo movement actually is. It is a far-right organization. No matter what the fuck they tell you, it is. Media organizations need to stop interviewing, especially anonymously, Boogaloo members and including them in their fucking articles. Because Boogaloo members are lying to the press it's a tactic boogaloo members idolize violent revolutionaries and they start with like fucking martyrs from waco and ruby ridge but whenever a boogaloo member talks to the fucking press they'll tell them that no 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 we're actually you know we're, we're centrists we're independents or that we're you know we're really just you know allies with black lives matter and for example Several Boogaloo members recently have tried to establish and create what they call the, the Unity Coalition. And this is a coalition with a fringe BLM chapter, which has been routinely rejected by the broader Black Lives Matter movement. And the Unity Coalition is an attempt to show that, that the Boogaloo movement is inclusive and it's actually liberal. No, it isn't. Alex Newhouse on Twitter, at Alex B. Newhouse, wrote that the founders of the Unity Coalition know that they're not going to break through to most actual BLM and anti-fascist activists. They're doing this to try to hijack the narrative in the media, and thus to reduce stigmatization in audiences that consume that coverage. And that's exactly what they're doing. <laughs> that's a very great analysis of what's happening here. They're trying to cast themselves as a normal organization, a group that's normal, that wants normal things. But the fucking central myth of the Boogaloo ideology is accelerationism. The accelerating of the collapse of fucking society, which is a far-right myth that they're literally trying to manifest. Alex Newhouse also wrote that, The biggest telegram boogaloo channel is run by neo-Nazi accelerationists. The most prominent boogs in media coverage, whether that's the Unity Coalition folks or the interviewee of the Slate article, which is a reference to an article, a shitty fucking article, that sourced an anonymous boogaloo member, try to call themselves anti-racist and pro-LGBTQ. This plays to the purpose. When covering the boogaloo movement, If you spend more time in presenting the arguments of the self-proclaimed anti-racist boogs than in soundly rejecting those claims, you are playing into the purpose of the movement. Alex goes on, saying, Ultimately, the movement is designed to make possible the idea of civil war, revolution, and the destruction of the social order in the minds of, well, everyone. And without centering that purpose, coverage and research rapidly can become co-opted by the research subjects, the Boogaloo members. Yeah, which is exactly what the fuck they want. But, just to circle round, the way to fight money interests in politics and the quote-unquote establishment is not to make alliances with the far right. Anyone seen doing that is a dangerous fucking person and shouldn't be taken seriously, aside from the very real threat that they are. It should be seen as a red flag, not an attempt to come together or whatever the fuck. It's fucking dangerous. And the intent of these far-right groups, I mean, even the ones that aren't so obvious, not so obvious on their face as, say, a literal Nazi that's wearing a fucking swastika arm patch, They're trying to convert young people and the specifically naive into their movement so that they can further radicalize them. It's a stepping stone to anarcho-capitalists and neo-Nazis, literally. And, you know, so these people, they're just snakes in the grass. So address them as such. And stop fucking platforming them on your goddamn podcasts and your fucking media organizations. But... The super uplifting bullshit that's emanating from the Biden White House about unification and working together with Republicans, which ostensibly means people like Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley (laughs) and fucking Marjorie Taylor Greene, is fucking stupid. Why would you work with a party that voted overwhelmingly to acquit someone who inspired a violent assault on both chambers of Congress and wittingly aided and abetted him for four fucking years? Yes, this includes people like Mitch McConnell. I don't give a shit what the fuck Mitch said there at the end. He aided and abetted the orange-faced fucko for four straight years. But no matter... The idea that the Biden administration is somehow just as bad as the Trump administration is derived from some special kind of galaxy brain bullshit. I'm not a fan of Biden. I never have been. But anyone making the leap in logic that he's somehow even remotely on the same level of narcissistic, chaotic, bold-faced, fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants amoral fuckery as Trump was is not a serious person. And let me assure you, These fucking podcasters and these fucking right-wing trolls are trying to get disillusioned Democrats to believe that they are the same. It's a part of the fucking game. To cast Joe Biden as some warmongering reactionary, which he kinda is, but to suggest that he's as warmongery and fucking dangerous as Trump, or to suggest that he's more... War mongering and dangerous than Trump is fucking ridiculous. Donald Trump brought us to the brink of war with like six different countries in a four year time span. But take the kids in cages thing for instance, because apparently giant swaths of the American public don't seem to know what the fuck they're talking about and even more dangerously don't know that they're peddling right wing bullshit when they're doing so. In recent weeks, Leftists and people on the far right are insisting on sharing headlines and social media posts written about the Biden administration's first migrant facilities for children. Without providing any context, of course. Insinuating that this is somehow the same as what the Trump administration did. It's certainly not fucking great, but it's not the same. The absolute atrocity. Of holding migrant children in cages was made worse by the Trump administration under its zero tolerance policy, as has been said ad nauseum, which allowed for the separation of kids from their parents. Child separation was literally written in policy by the Trump administration. That had never happened before, and that policy was totally rescinded in one of the first actions that Biden took when he took office. However, a senior reporter for Reveal pointed out the other day that kids in cages outside of deliberate child separation predated Trump. Yes. Unaccompanied children that show up at the border are taken to a border patrol station and put in cages, commonly known as pereras or dog cages. These were instituted by the Obama administration. So, again... There is still a difference between what Obama did and Trump did. Trump is worse. Just, he just is. There are, it's all bad. It's all fucking horrible. But again, Trump's worse. <laughs> More common, though, is children referring to hileras or ice boxes. These are very cold cells that predate the Obama administration even. And you can blame Bush and Clinton for that fucking shit. And recently... The Biden administration set up childcare facilities that are different from Custom and Border Patrol and Immigration and Customs Enforcement in that they are supposed to be state-licensed childcare facilities. However, these facilities also have a history of mistreatment, abuse, and are run rather opaquely, often by private contractors. And those contractors, yeah, They don't have good track records with this shit. What needs to happen is the entire immigration system needs to be fucking overhauled. The vast majority of the unaccompanied children that show up at the southern border are simply looking for their fucking family members in the United States. The fact that we don't even allow them to be met up with with their families and instead put them in these fucking cages and these fucking childcare facilities, especially when it's the American policies domestically that contribute to the fucking horrendous conditions that are oftentimes the causes of why people from South America and Mexico are coming to the United States, is one of the darkest, most amoral things that this country has ever done. But to further pin down the difference between what Trump fucking did and what Biden is now doing, the Trump administration took those unaccompanied minors at the border and put them in fucking cages, oftentimes in the custody of CBP and ICE. The Biden administration is putting them in childcare facilities run by, you know, not-so-great fucking private contractors who don't have, you know, the greatest track records. The Trump administration tore more families apart while he was president in a deliberate attempt to deter people from seeking asylum at the fucking border. The Biden administration is just continuing down the road that we were on prior to Trump, which, again, is better. Not great. In fact, it fucking sucks, but it's better. But whatever you think about child detention, which, I mean be against it, you fucking monsters. (laughs) But the Biden administration's move to create these facilities are, without question, morally superior compared to previous administrations so far. And this isn't a pass for the new administration. I'm not, it's not what I'm doing here. Everyone should critique the Biden administration just as closely as we did the Trump administration or any other. But refrain from the false equivalency, because because the differences here matter. And to be perfectly honest, the Biden administration should never have used those contractors and opened those facilities in particular. It's wrong. They have histories of horrible abuses. The entire immigration system needs a fucking overhaul. I'm just, I'll, I'll repeat that ad nauseum forever. However, Trump had a fucking Slenderman Nazi overseeing immigration policy. Literally nothing the Biden administration could ever do in regards to immigration could possibly compare to the shit that Trump pulled. Even still, let's not lock up children anymore. We can do better than that and should. But we're already doing better than we were just two months ago. So I'll fucking take it. And the minimum wage thing. Can we stop? acting as though Democrats just summarily removed it from the rescue bill. Who, who actually believes that's what happened? It's not what happened. <laughs> the Senate has a procedural loophole that allows an extreme minority of senators to block the majority from passing bills. It's called the filibuster, a loophole that was literally created on accident. Not to get bogged down in the history here, but the mistake was the inadvertent result of the deletion of a rule known as the previous question motion, empowering the majority to cut off debate from the minority and then move to a vote. The Senate tossed this rule in 1806, 1806, yeah, that fucking long ago, The deletion of the rule made possible the filibuster, allowing the unpopular minority in the Senate to hold hostage the will of the fucking people. Senators did not even realize what they had done in 1806. That's evident given that they didn't even use the filibuster until 1837, three decades later. This utter bullshit now forces a 60-vote majority, and the minority has now mastered the ability to block the majority. And it's the reason why we can't get a single goddamn thing done at the federal level. Even raising the minimum wage, which is supported by a whopping two-thirds of the American public. So, the raising of the federal minimum wage in the rescue bill was nuked by the minority party in the Senate, which is the GOP, not the Democrats. The filibuster, in conclusion, is a mistake It wasn't even supposed to be there. It's archaic, undemocratic, and it needs to die. But the silver lining, though, is that we have Senate Democrats like Bernie Sanders working on a bill to incentivize large corporations to pay their workers by penalizing those that pay employees less than $15 per hour. Right now, about 40% of the American workforce today makes less than $15 an hour. That is an unforgivable tragedy and societal failure. Raising wages increases consumer spending, lowers turnover, and spurs productivity. Corporations will do just fine under this. The fear-mongering over raising the minimum wage is unwarranted. There is no reasonable argument against it. And the one argument that I gave even an ounce of credence to was the one arguing that it would increase the cost of childcare for families, single mothers and fathers. But, child care should already be heavily subsidized, if not totally. The child tax credit was raised under the Trump administration and is again being raised in the Biden administration. It's included in the rescue bill. Fuck it. Raise the goddamn wage. But we can't. Because the minority of the dumb shits in the Senate are holding the American public hostage over ideological dumb fuckery. Help people, you fucking monsters, just help people. And the Democratic Party in recent years has been trending toward a staking out of third positionism that takes these far-right Trumpist anarcho-capitalists seriously. And it's the exact opposite direction that the Democratic Party needs to be moving towards. There is no merit in reaching across the aisle to those in the current minority blocking extremely popular things from passing. But many Democrats continue to do so anyway. That is a valid criticism of the Democratic Party. Saying that some Democrats who are standing in the way of ending the filibuster are a bunch of fucking idiots, is also a valid criticism of the Democratic Party. Some conservatives on the right are saying, well, the Democrats used the filibuster to block some GOP legislation when Trump was in office as some kind of fucking gotcha, which, I mean, no shit they were going to do that. If it's there, why wouldn't you use it? I mean, we, we know that they did that. Thanks, Fox News. This is... This is why some Democrats are opposed to doing away with the filibuster. Because when they're the minority, they won't be able to use it. The point is, if you're being even remotely honest, the filibuster is grossly undemocratic and it allows the minority to overrule the majority. Which is, again, undemocratic. There are valid criticisms of the Democratic Party, is my point. To sit your ass on the fucking sideline and suggest that Democrats are just as bad as Republicans is a fucking dishonest position and you fucking know it. What, so because you didn't like the Democratic frontrunner, you voted what, third party? You may as well have sat your ass at home, you fucking idiot. Did you primary for your candidate? No, probably not, but you voted third party anyway. You risked Trump being elected again because you believe that he's just as bad as Biden? God. Yeah. The anti-intellectualist movement that we're currently in with podcasting and YouTube videos and our fucking inability to read a long-form article because our attention spans are that of a fucking goldfish is fucking eating us alive. But again, as I mentioned earlier, I'm not going to sit here and give the Biden administration a pass. I haven't. I said I wouldn't, and I'm not. One thing in particular is that the Biden administration has opted to avoid direct punitive measures on the Saudi crown prince for his role in Jamal Khashoggi's assassination, his dismemberment with a bone saw, even after his own U.S. intelligence agencies have confirmed that MBS— had approved Khashoggi's assassination. They've opted instead to place visa restrictions on all Saudi officials linked to the plot, except for the crown prince. This is fucking unacceptable. Much more needs to be done. But apparently, you know, the power wielded by Saudi Arabia is simply too great for America to do anything impactful about it. However... The Trump administration did even less than the Biden administration is doing. So, once again, here's another example of how the Democratic Party is just better. Not great, but better. That should be Biden's slogan, but better, which it basically is that. <laughs> and I understand that this can be absolutely fucking frustrating. Trust me. I'm well aware of how frustrating it can be. I don't know if you've noticed. But I'm not going to sit here and fucking do dumb shit like vote third party and let the Republican Party be even worse. It is fucking dangerous to get disillusioned as a Democrat or a leftist and be drugged down far right rabbit holes and be black pilled to become a nihilist who wants a revolution and a fucking civil war. Here's a fucking tip don't want the same things that neo-Nazis want. Alright, that was episode 20 of Another Fucking Guy with a Podcast. You can find me on Twitter at fucking underscore podcast. Same handle over on Patreon if you want to support me over there. And as always...